0: Good morning. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. It is good to be with you this morning as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you would, take your copy of God's Word. If you don't have one with you, find it on an app if you've got it or, or get one from a, a pew in front of you. Uh, you'll want to follow along as we look through God's Word this morning and, uh, and be able to, to stay with us. Open it to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. And this morning I'm going to, to do something that, that might seem a, a little bit strange to you. Um, this morning as, as Christians all around the world celebrate the resurrection of Christ. It's a, it's a wonderful time and the church focuses on the events of the resurrection and, and for the past week, uh, you know, there's been many services of, of Good Friday and Monday, Thursday and Palm Sunday last week. But this morning, I want to do something a little bit different. This morning, I want to focus not necessarily on the resurrection, but on the benefit of the resurrection. So Christ went to the cross. Christ took our sin upon himself. Christ prepared and and made, uh, made forgiveness possible so that we could come home to the Father. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. We've been going through Luke 15. Luke 15 is a, a whole chapter where Jesus gives a, a series of stories, a, a series of parables, talking uh, about how God rejoices at the repentance of even one sinner. What prompts this, if you look in verse 2 of chapter 15, It says the Pharisees and the scribes, that was the religious leaders of the days. they they grumbled at Jesus saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. What Jesus did was shocking to them that he would associate himself with people who they didn't see as the good people. They would see as the outcasts. They would see as the ones who weren't living the way that God would have them live. and, And they weren't. Jesus' response and what He shows and what He does is that there is repentance that pleases God. How will they know? How will sinners know? How will those far from God know about the love and the repentance that's available to God if we don't show them, if we don't care for them, if we don't love them? And so that's been the focus as a church, what we have been looking at over the last few weeks and today we're going to come to the third story the the first story was about a lost sheep about how a shepherd would leave 99 to find one wandering sheep and rejoice over the sheep and and when he would come back he would throw a party and they would rejoice over the sheep and so god says or jesus says this is like god when we come to him in repentance the second story that Jesus tells is, is a lady who had lost a coin. The coin was very valuable to her. Most likely it, it was part of a dowry that was given to her by her father. It signified that she was a, a married woman. It would be much like losing your wedding ring. A, a, and she lost this and she searches the house and she goes on this diligent search to find this lost coin. And when she finds it, she rejoices and she throws a party. Jesus says this is much like God. God searches for us. We are the lost coin. And when we come to him in repentance, there is joy in the presence of angels, is what Jesus says. Not just the angels are happy, but God is happy. The third story that Jesus tells is the, the story that we're going to look at today. It's the parable of the lost son. It's one of the most famous stories that Jesus ever told. It's the longest story that Jesus ever told. Charles Dickens, the great writer and storyteller in his own right, said this is the greatest story that has ever been told. Oh, the emotional highs and the emotional lows. It's a wonderful story, but it's not just a story. The point of the prodigal son is that we would all see ourselves as the Son who has wandered far from the Father. How will we ever be accepted again? How will we ever go home? How could we ever come to the presence of the Father again? That's the good news of Easter The good news of the resurrection is that Jesus has made a way that no matter how far you have wandered from the Father, no no matter how much you have squandered what God has given you, there is acceptance and there is uh, for everyone who comes in repentance. That's the good news. Isn't that good news? So look with me. Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. And we'll begin reading in verse 11. And he said to them, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them, and not many days later the younger son gathered all that he had, and he took a journey into a far country. There he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. But No one gave him anything. Verse 17. his father saw him and felt compassion, and he ran, and he embraced, and he kissed him, and he said to the son, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer to be, no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate, for this son was dead. He is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they begin to celebrate. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, oh, we thank you that you have made a way possible for us to return home. Lord, I pray this morning that as those who hear these words either here gathered with us in this worship service or on the radio or at a later date, however you would use it, that we would all realize our need to come home to You. We would all realize the importance of the resurrection to make possible salvation. Father, that You have paid a great price that we could come home. Lord, I pray this morning You would remove hindrances from us from our minds and from our hearts, that your Spirit would work through your Word and you would call us home. Home to you. Home to love. Home to forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we look at this text this morning, I, I want to look at it like four scenes of a movie. Right? So, so think of a, of a movie and, and how they would set it up in four different scenes or a, or a play with four different acts. <clears throat> the first scene that we see is an astonishing request. Jesus uh, tells the story in this way that everybody would be worked up. The, 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 the things that are said here are, are hard for us to relate because we don't live in that day in that culture. But what the son asks of the father is incredible. It is astonishing. The first thing that he says is, it's shocking. He comes to his father and he he says to his father, Father, I want you to divide your estate. Now, according to the law, the the younger son, he would be eligible to receive one-third of the estate upon his father's death. Upon his father's death. By coming at this point as he's a young man and and saying to the father, Father, give me what's due to me now. He's essentially saying to the father, I wish you were dead. I want nothing to do with you. I want nothing to do with your rules. I don't want to be under your home. I want nothing to do with you. Give me what you owe me now. It's astonishing, isn't it? I mean, could you imagine you who uh, have uh, are older and established and 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 have an inheritance and perhaps a will for your children right now? And and one of your children came to you and said, you know what, dad? I'm tired of waiting for you to kick the bucket. Just just give it to me now so I can use it. Uh, Somebody would start taking a lot more vacations, wouldn't they? (laughs) But this is what he does. He comes to the father and he says Liquidate. And we don't know, it doesn't go into this, but the the father had to have sold everything at a loss. When you have to liquidate quickly, you sell pennies on the dollar. And so the son comes to the father and he says, I want it now, I want it all, and I don't want you in my life. His request was very selfish. Notice what he says to the father, give me give me he has no respect no regard no care whatsoever anyone else but himself you know part of the reason why the law was set up and inheritance and 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 that the older brother would receive more and the younger brother would receive less is it it was a way in that culture to see that the, the the family units would be able to survive that there would be prosperity amongst the families, that from generation to generation you would have an inheritance, you would have a land, you would, you would have these things so that you could not just take care of yourself, but you could take care of others. Oh, the son knows the law. He knows what's due to him. But he has no intention. No intention to use it for what it was supposed to be for. You no know, friends, this is like many today, many that have run from the Father, many that live as though God is not there, many who live their lives as though there is no God, as though there is no accountability, oh, they use what the Father has, they like his air, they like his water, they like his sunshine, they like the, the order and the nature and the creation in which they were born into, but they in no way acknowledge him or give him glory. The Son says, I don't want you around. You're dead to me. Oh, there are many today that live that way. Perhaps some of you have lived that way. Perhaps some of you have bought into lies and reasoning and philosophies that say, I am all that matters. There is a reality that there is a Father. There is a Father. So the first scene that we see is we see this this scene of this astonishing request. Give me what you owe me. And so what does He do with it? We move to the second scene, and the second scene brings an awful reality. An awful reality. So the, the father liquidates, the father gives to the son, and the son receives this inheritance in a lump sum, and he does what people do when they receive money so often in a lump sum. He blows it. It, it says here in verse 13 that he, he ran away from the father. And he blew his money. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and he took a journey to a faraway country. I'm going to the city. There, he squandered his property in reckless living. You ever read stories about NBA players or NFL players or Major League Baseball players or somebody who, you know, hit a, hit a big jackpot and, and you read about it and it's like they want, you know, they, they got multi million dollars in a lump sum, right? And they're going to jail because they couldn't pay their taxes on it. Well, where'd it go? I don't know. That's the story here. Reckless living is a summary that Luke writes about this. Basically, he went off and he blew his money. He went around throwing money at everybody, buying friends, buying women, buying good times, and eventually the money dried up and the party was over. Reality hit home. Not only did reality hit home, but it got painful. It says that that he ran out of money and then a famine hit. A famine is when there's no rain, there's no crops, there's no harvest. It's like saying that an economic downturn happened. Right? The, The Great Recession, the Great Depression hit in that land. And here he is, separated from the Father, with nothing left. And fun time's over. You know, sin does seem fun for a season. That's the, the reality of sin. But as we see with this man, the land of wine, women, and song quickly became the land of weeping, worry, and sorrow. Sin promises great things for you. Oh, i will make you happy. In the end, it leaves you hurt. That's what we see here. Sin brings separation. The reality of sin is that there is a a price. The boy separated himself from the father. He ran off in his sin, and and now he doesn't know what to do. He has no one to take care of. He has completely separated himself. It, It brings sorrow. It says that he began to need. His life had turned upside down. The music stopped. The friends stopped. The money was gone. The women left him. And he had nothing left. He hit the bottom. Have you been there? What's he gonna do? He's left the father. He's separated from the father. You know this is the way that sin works. Sin is like uh, parachute jumping. Okay. Has anybody ever jumped out of a, a done a parachute jump? All right. I did one once. I was strapped to another man. It was the most uh, humiliating experience of my life. Here I am, a grown man strapped to another grown man flying through the air going, Aah! Okay, it just wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't great. But, but imagine that you're going to go parachute jumping, right? And, and, and you jump out of the plane and it feels so free and it feels so exhilarating and it feels so wonderful. And you, you pull the cord and nothing happens. Friends, that's the way sin works in your life. It makes big promises. Oh, it's going to feel good. And it does for a moment. It's going to reward you. Oh, it will. Just wait. The picture of what happens to this son is the reality of what happens to us. Sin has a price. Sin also brings with it pain. It says that he hired himself out to the citizens of that country, and they sent him into the fields to feed pigs. Now, again, we're culturally a little bit different. We're years removed from when this story happened. But, but basically, the most, the most humiliating work that a Jewish boy raised in in a, in a, in a medium wealthy class family could do. This is now where he's at. He's at rock bottom. He's attached himself to some Gentile and the Gentile has him out feeding the pigs. This is the bottom, and 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 your longing sin will cause you to join yourself, to attach yourself to something. God has made us that we would be attached to Him, that we would love Him, that, that we would know why we were created, and we would fulfill that in bringing Him glory. But when we separate ourselves from the Father, when we walk away, when we act as though the Father is dead to us, we will fill that void with other things. You'll hit bottom, and and it might be drugs, it might be alcohol, it might be illicit sex, it might be becoming a workaholic, it it, it might be a sport, it might be a hobby, it might be something to to fulfill in you the void that you have. One day it'll all let you down. Some of those sins, some of those things are, are very obvious. We see the person who's made the wrong choices, who's walked away from the Father, who lives as though the father is dead and they're strung out on the street and we we point and we say, oh, look what you've done to yourself. Friends, the same misery is there for those who look affluent and have it all put together and live their lives without God. How many weeks in a row do you have to read in the magazines or or look at the news feed and see people with money, see people with wealth, see people with prestige, with power committing suicide? Because it's all vain. We were created for more than living for ourselves and fulfilling our needs on our own, whatever that might be. So we see uh, this pain of sin. Third scene. First scene, the boy, the boy astonishes and says, I want you dead. I want nothing to do with you. Second scene, he, he, he goes and he, he lives it up. And it all gets taken away. He's scraping the bottom. Third scene, we see authentic repentance. Authentic repentance. The sinful living, and it's the the, the end of sin, and the results of sin, and the price of sin made this son aware of all that he had done in dishonoring the father. It brought an awareness and it brought about true repentance. And from this story, there's there's three things that I think we can see about what true repentance looks like. Repentance, the word itself just means to turn away. To turn away from something, to turn to something. To, to turn away from your sinfulness and turn to the Father. To turn away from your your living for yourself and your selfishness and to turn to Christ to accept you and to forgive you. Genuine repentance is what makes God happy. That's what all three of these stories have been about. Uh, a lost sheep, he finds it. Jesus says it's like when one repents, God has joy. A lost coin, Jesus says, hey, the coin is like you. And, and when you're lost and you're found, there's joy in heaven. God has joy. And, and here we're going to see that the Father, when He receives the Son, has great joy. That joy is prompted not by our good works, not by our motivation to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, That joy is motivated by authentic repentance. Do you know what that looks like? Have you experienced that? Have you you really done that before the Lord? Have you repented of your sin? Have you repented of your wandering? Have you repented of your living for yourself and not accepting the love and the grace of God? Let's look at what this repentance looks like. The the first thing that we see about repentance is repentance is self-awareness repentance is self-awareness you see this in verse 17 it simply says he came to himself he came to his senses here he is he's he's he he walked away from the father he he lived it up he's hit rock bottom and now he's thinking back now his 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 heart is going back he's he's thinking back to what it was like with the father he's thinking back to what he's done he's he's taking an inventory of his life he's interpersonally looking and saying what have i done Oh, those are glorious moments in our life. Those times when we stop and we pause. Perhaps it's those times around a funeral or death or things of seriousness, of ultimate reality where you stop and you say, What really matters? Am I living my life in a way that matters? it comes to self-awareness, and he realizes, I've walked away from the Father. I've, I've, I, I've hurt him. I've squandered. I, I don't know what to do. I, I can't provide for myself. And, and friends, we come to a point by the Holy Spirit where, where we come to ourselves. That's kind of what the word conversion means, that we have converted, that we have, that we have repented, that we've come to ourselves and we've realized that I need the forgiveness of Christ to be accepted by God. I have sinned. I have walked away from the Father. I need Christ. I need forgiveness. It's the first thing that he does is self-awareness. He he looks and he becomes self-aware. The second part of repentance, the second thing we could learn from repentance here is humble brokenness. Humble brokenness. Look at what he says here. He says, how many of my father's servants. Nope, sorry. 18. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. He, he begins to play in his mind what he's going to say. I'm going to go home and I'm going to go to my father and, and I'm just going to lay it out. I'm just, I, 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 I have no excuses. I can't make this right. I don't know what to do. I'm just going to say, I've sinned against you. I am so sorry for what I did. Humble, broken, genuine repentance. Friends, this is the posture of a Christian. This is the posture of one who will be received by God is a willingness to acknowledge that you have sinned, a willingness to acknowledge that you've walked away from the Father, a willingness to to acknowledge that you have lived your life without Him and dishonored Him. And you can't do it anymore. That's what it means to call out to Christ and to make Him your Lord. We don't live in a day and an age where we have lords and kings. We have presidents. And if we don't like them, we can talk about it. We can say that. If we don't like it, every uh, once in a while we get to vote for someone else and kick that person out and get a new one. It's not permanent. We're not committed to it. But in this day, in this age, you were born and you came and you, you placed yourself under the authority of a king. Under a lord. It's the picture that we have of Jesus. Is He your Lord? Have you repented of living for yourself? Have you repented of of leaving the Father's love and His mercy and His goodness? Squandering what God has given you? And come to Christ in genuine brokenness and repentance. Father, forgive me. I want to follow you this is why obedience and salvation come together this is why the bible says that there should be fruit in our life that you should be able to see you ask yourself am i a christian am i a believer do i believe this message more than on easter and christmas i would encourage you look at your life do you see fruits of repentance do you see an ongoing care and a desire to please god do you see that jesus is your lord would others see that jesus is your lord that you're seeking to follow and to obey him The Great Commission is to go and make disciples of all nations, those who would follow Jesus, followers or apprentices of Jesus. Go and make disciples of all nations and teach them to obey all that I've commanded. In that is an assumption that we want to obey. We want to know. We want to learn from Christ because we want to be like Him and honor Him because He's our Lord. That kind of humbleness Humble brokenness is what true repentance looks like. Have you experienced that? The third part of repentance that we see here is that he casts himself on the feet of God, of his mercy. He, he understands the mercy of God and what he needs. In verse 17, he says, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? The idea here isn't what can I get from the father? He already got all that was due from him from the father. What the idea here is that my father is gracious and that he's loving and even the servants have enough to eat. And here I am. I've separated myself from His grace. I've separated myself from His love. I've separated myself from His existence. And I have nothing. Oh, the grace of God. Do you know what grace means? It means something you didn't reserve, deserve. Something you didn't deserve. And God shows His grace to us in the most amazing way. And that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to the cross. And that Jesus took your sin upon Himself. And Jesus on that Good Friday was punished on the cross for your sin that he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because there's a sense in which God forsake the Son for a moment that He pour His wrath upon Him so the Bible says that God could be just and the justifier. That God could make a way. That God could could remain just in who He was, but He could make a way that you could be saved. He could be a justifier. And He did that through the Son so that you could come home That's the cross. The resurrection is the proof that all that Jesus did, that all that Jesus taught was true. We don't worship a dead God, we worship a live and risen Savior. Fourth scene. The first scene we see this this awful request this astonishing request and 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 then we see um, this awful reality of sin and then we see authentic repentance and the fourth thing that we see is an amazing awesome reunion Uh, look at this he doesn't know what he's going to go home to he just knows he's got to go home As he heads home, he didn't know what he might find. The father would have been within his right to punish the son under the law. And so what does he find? Well, the first thing that he finds is this fellowship. He finds a reception. The father ran to him. The father ran to him. I I want you to get this picture of an older man. Okay, There's not a lot of older men that run. Especially in that culture. Uh, very put together, he had many servants he was he was he was a very dignified person, and he sees the sun from far off and he runs to him. Why did he run? Well, one reason that he might have ran is because he wanted to be the first one to greet him and acknowledge him. We know by the reaction of the brother that the brother was upset and angry at him. If the brother would have had, met him first, he probably would have tried to run him off. The father sees him and he runs to him. Friends, I don't care how far you've gone. I don't care what you've done. The father will receive you. He will run to you if you come in repentance. The father runs to him. The father kisses him. It's a sign of acceptance and love. This son who had done so much to dishonor the father. This son who had squandered a third of all that the father had and had worked for. He loves him. He receives him. He kisses him. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Jesus tells this because he wants you to realize that if you come home, the father will welcome you. If you respond in repentance, the Father will welcome you just like this. He finds not only a good reception from the Father, but He finds restoration. This is amazing. Remember what the Son said? He said, if I can just go home, maybe I can be like a slave. Like I can be second class. I'm no longer a son. I've messed that up. But if I could just live there and and work the field and and have enough bread, then, then maybe I'll do that. Some of you think you've done so much, you're a second class person in the kingdom of God. Because you've walked away and because you've sinned and you've sinned greatly, God can never fully restore you. Friends, that's not the message of the cross. Because here's the truth, here's the reality, you can never out sin Jesus's shed blood for you. The heinousness of what you have done can never outweigh the Son of God dying for your sin. Look at this restoration. It says that he gives him the robe. He, he, he calls out, and not just a robe, but he says, get a fine robe. Get a good robe. Get one of my robes. He restores them back to his place. Right? We travel. We go to a fancy, rest, a fancy uh, hotel. What's the first thing we do? Try on the robe, right? We're like, yeah, I'm somebody now, okay? Some of you took him home, didn't you? He puts on the robe. He covers him. The son comes home, and it's a nasty picture. He's been addicted. He needs rehab. He's all messed up. He's stinky, smelly, and dirty. The father doesn't say, go clean yourself up, son. He says, Get him the robe. Let's cover him up. He's mine. <clears throat> he gives him the ring. The ring is the privileges. The ring is, is, is what the father would have had. It, it would have mean that the son had the authority of the father, that, that, that he was one of the heads of the family. The father not only accepts him, the father not only clothes him, but the father restores him. Isn't that amazing? The shoes, the shoes show His position. Slaves didn't have shoes, but the Son did. He says, go and get the shoes. Friends, the grace of God is that on the cross, Jesus paid for your sin that you can be restored to the Father if you want to go home. The last thing that we see as he comes home in this fourth picture is rejoicing. Verse 23, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate, for this son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he was found, and they begin to celebrate. Uh, Again, culturally, we don't understand this whole fatted calf thing, but they're like, let's have a big old barbecue, right? Like, Like, let's do this right. The fatted calf was saved for for very special occasions. In fact, if you read on, you'll find out that the younger brother, man, this is what he is all torn up about. You never gave me a calf. It was such a big deal. And the father says, my son is home. Get the calf. Let's celebrate. Instead of judgment, the son found welcome. Instead of harshness, the Son found love. Instead of working it off, the Son found grace. Friends, if you come home, Jesus on the cross died that we would be able to come home to the Father. That's the meaning of the resurrection. That's the, the meaning of all that Christ did is He made a way that we could be forgiven. He made a way that you can come home. At the end of your life, a story will be written. Will it be the tale of a lost son? or will it be the story of one who came home to the Father? Where are you today? Are you in a far country? Do you need to come home? Friends, if the Lord has spoken to you and the Spirit has welcomed you, I I would, would encourage you to pray in repentance. Ask God for forgiveness. Commit to follow Him. He will receive you. Trust in Him. Let Him be your hope this Easter Perhaps you've done this, and I would encourage you to, in thankfulness, thank the Lord for what He has done, for, for none of us were much better than this sinner. We all walked away from God. We all walked in sin, and at one point, God welcomed us back and called us home. And perhaps you know the Father, you've come back, but you've kind of begun to wander away again. I pray this morning that the Spirit would convict you that, Whatever it is that is competing for his affections in your life, you would lay it aside, you would trust in the Father, and you would follow him. Would you bow your heads with me? This morning as we conclude this Easter message, I want to give you an invitation to respond. Whatever it is that the Lord has laid on your heart, whatever it is that, that He wants you to do, perhaps you want to come for prayer, perhaps there's a, a decision that you need to make, a decision to follow Christ, or a decision to, to come in baptism, what, whatever that might be, I want to ask you this morning, would you respond to the Father? Would you respond to His love and his calling, and his work in your life. Father, we thank you this Easter for your love. We thank you this Easter for your grace. We thank you this Easter that you have made a way that we can come home. That through the cross and the grave and the resurrection, the path was made that we can be forgiven. Oh Lord, I pray now that your Spirit would move in us. That your Spirit would help us to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.